If you have a Bible with you tonight, perhaps you could turn with me, please, to the book of Matthew. That's the book of Matthew, chapter 9. And there's one little verse in there that I'm going to use as a launching pad for the things I believe the Lord's laid on my heart for us tonight. The title of our conversation tonight is Getting Back to Go. I know it's not particularly great grammar. It should be maybe getting back to going. But getting back to go, I think it's time that the church started to courageously move forward in the endeavor and indeed the dream of the heart of God to reach out to people who live beyond the parameters of relationship with him. It's time for the church to be mobilized and energized, not just paralyzed sometimes by culture and some of the difficulties we face in society. And I believe we're going to need a huge amount of Holy Spirit impetus to be able to release us into that kind of reality. But let's read Matthew chapter 9. There's some things here for us that may be helpful to us. Verse 36. When he, and the he here is Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. Before we even start to reach out to people, we need to understand that God would have us carry his heart. It is the passion of the Lord to give us the heart he has for people who live outside of relationship with him. Do you know God's heart for the lost is incredible. It's powerful. It's passionate. In fact, it's his heart for the lost that found you. His desire, his passion for you caused circumstance and people and situations to come together in his plan so that he could reach your life. So that you could have a revelation and an understanding of who God truly is. God is passionate about lost people. And for us to be able to reach lost people, we need to carry his heart. We need the heart of God for people. Do you find that difficult sometimes? Do you find that a little bit tricky to carry the heart of God for people? I believe we need greater revelation of his heart if we're going to be able to move towards what he wants us to do. And that is to reach into people's lives and bring them home to relationship with God. But I want to say this to you, that going never starts with an intellectual agreement that people need to be found. Going always starts with the move of the Spirit in our hearts. We need God to move in us before God can move through us. Now, I know many of us in this room have walked with Jesus for many, many years. But you know, there are fresh levels of God's uh, revelation to us regarding his heart for the lost. And I think as the church prepares for what I believe is a great adventure ahead, although there'll be great adversity, I believe we need to carry and are invited to carry the most incredible sense of God's heart for lost people. I don't know how you feel about that right now. I don't know how you endeavor to move towards that. But actually, I believe that's the heart of God, that we would carry his heart for those who are outside of relationship with him. You see, it's not our feet that take us somewhere, it's our heart that takes us somewhere. If you have the love of God and you understand his heart for lost people, then you will always find yourself catalysted into conversations and connections with other people. Out of the overflow of your heart, so you will start to engage with other people. If we try and do this with just a mental agreement that people need to be reached, then I think we will, we will dry up eventually. Our resources will be limited. But you know, the heart of God is without limits. His heart knows no bounds. It is profoundly deep and powerful and passionate about people who are disconnected from him. And so we want the Spirit of God to open our eyes and open our lives up to the fullness of God's heart. And I believe that that's the beginning on the catalyst of what I call the great compassion, which will lead us fully into the great commission. 
We need the great compassion of God to be fully engaged and fully immersed in the great commission. Jesus saw the crowds. And I think that's probably something we overlook when we listen to the scripture or read it or consider it. But actually, my question is, what did Jesus see? And if Jesus saw something and he was moved with compassion, then can I be invited by the Spirit to see what Jesus saw? Would God open my eyes to see people the way he sees people? And I think first and foremost, sometimes when we're trying to reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ, not only do we need a fresh revelation of the heart of God to do so, which is the catalyst that leads us towards them, but we need our eyes to be opened to see them the way God sees them. For a number of years, I had the great joy of working with very broken people. I think it's been something of a journey for me. And more and more and more, I discovered as I started to listen to stories that behind every person that either had an addiction or a problem or a lifestyle choice or a habit actually was a person that God truly loved. You know, they didn't, they didn't get born into this world as a drug addict. They didn't come out of their teenagers with an ambition to be a prostitute. But the circumstances of their lives and the difficulties that they faced made those particular desires and wants somewhat of, a, of a, an appeasement to the pain that they carried in their heart. And over and over and over again, as I listened to the stories, I was reminded by the Holy Spirit, when God looks at a person, he doesn't see what I see. He doesn't see the external. He doesn't see the trappings of a lifestyle that's so immersed in sin. He doesn't see people who are wayward and rebellious. God sees children who don't know that they're loved. God sees the original design of his creation that has got marred and marked by the circumstances of life. And he is moved whenever we start to see people that way. We will be moved too. God sees something beautiful where we see something terrible. God sees soil where we see dirt. God sees somewhat of, a, of potential when we just see problems. Do you know, one time I was in Glasgow and one of the ladies who worked with the, the girls on the street, she came to me and she said, Pastor Simon, I want to tell you that Big Tam has given his life to Jesus. Now, if you've ever been to Scotland, Big Tam is Big Tom. You're either big or we in Scotland. There's only two options. There's no in between. And so I looked at her and I said to her, does Big Tam have a job? And she said, no. I said, does Big Tam have a family? And she says, oh yes, loads of kids, but he's not living with the woman that he has them with. I said, does Big Tam have all his own teeth? And she says, no. And I turned and I went back up to my office and I realized that really sometimes when I look at these people and I looked at these people, I didn't always see them with the eyes of love that God would want me to see them. I saw somebody else who needed something, somebody else who had a problem, somebody else who had circumstances that weren't great. And as I walked up the steps towards my office, I found my heart convicted by the Holy Spirit. When God sees people, he doesn't see what we see. He sees who he has created them to be. He sees beyond the marred and the scarred, and he sees their original design created to live in relationship with God. Is there anyone here tonight who would like to have the eyes of God when we look out on humanity? To see people the way that Christ would have us see them. To be moved, therefore, as a result of that, out of a compelling desire to bring restoration to lives that have been trampled on by other people. When Jesus saw the crowds... The thing about this for me that just begins to stir my heart is this, is that I want to see people the way Jesus sees people. I'll tell you this story. Last summer we were here and we have carnival. It goes past the church. Well, actually, it comes through the church every year. Carnival, you can't avoid it. It's 
Thousands and thousands of people all celebrating on the streets. And you know, I, I must confess, as I kind of was standing outside and watching at 10 o'clock in the morning, people who were completely off their face on something, actually feeling a little bit judgmental. Have you ever had that problem? Do you ever look at people and think, you know, gosh, are you coming in from the night before or is this the day? Is this the beginning of your day? And you know, there were lots of young ladies who didn't have hardly any clothes on. Lots of young men who were enjoying that reality. And as we stood there singing our gospel songs and trying to, to reach people, I found my heart just really hard to that. And I found the Holy Spirit just really challenging me and saying, Simon, you're not seeing these people the way I see them. And there was a moment throughout the course of those two days where my eyes just lifted above what I consider to be the brokenness and I started to see the beauty that Christ had placed in people. Some beautiful things started to happen. We saw so many people touched by God over those couple of days. When we start to see the crowds, we start to be moved by the Spirit towards them. Sin is always a repellent to us. But when we look at people the way God sees them, we'll be drawn towards them. Compassion will begin to move in our souls. And we'll find ourselves engaging with people that ordinarily we would probably seek to avoid. What was it that moved Jesus? Well, he saw the sight of the crowd. So many people. So many people whose lives had been broken and trampled and, and, and ridiculed and destroyed by all kinds of things that they did. And Jesus was moved by that. He saw the size of the crowd. There were so many of them. Do you know when I looked across the, 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 the expansive reality of people at Carnival, I was overwhelmed by the hundreds. I would imagine there's hundreds of thousands here. It feels like that. You know, you look out and you think, all of these people and they don't know Jesus. All of these people and they have no idea how much God's love will change and transform their lives. All of these people trying to work out in their own strength how to be free. All of these people looking for life in anything and everything they can get their hands on. All of these people separated from the reality of God. Now, I don't know how you feel about that, but I sometimes struggle with God in my life. I sometimes struggle to know what to do when I have relationship with God. Times and seasons come, people die, stuff happens. I struggle sometimes with God. Can you imagine what it's like to live without the reality of the closeness of God? Without the friendship of the one who knows everything about everything? Without connecting to his compassion in the midst of really harsh realities? Can you imagine what it looks like to live outside of the favor of God? Church, we don't know we're born here tonight. We are blessed and highly favored. But not everybody has that reality. Some people are going to go home tonight and they're going to be suicidal. Some people are going to go back to their circumstances and they're going to give up. They're going to stop trying because they have no one to talk to or nowhere to go with their problems. Their hearts are broken and they don't even know what to do about that. So Jesus saw the size of the crowd. He saw sight of the crowd, the way they truly were. And he saw the suffering of the crowd. See, People think that sin is fun, and maybe on the surface it looks like that. But sin has a huge impact on people's lives. I spent 24 years living one way, and I've been a Christian longer than the way I lived before I came to Christ. And most of my 35 years of walking with Jesus has been trying to understand the 24 years prior to that where all of these things happened to me. It takes five minutes to get into something that can destroy your life. It might take you five to 15 years to get out of it. It takes a moment to say yes to somebody who on the surface looks appealing and promises you to the world. And it takes 20 years to get over the heartache and the brokenness that comes from that. 
It takes a second to do something that moves you to a place of, of immediate satisfaction. And it takes 30 years to understand that what you did has had so many consequences on your life and the lives of people around you. You see, sin seems very attractive in a moment, but actually when God looks at people, not only does he see the crowd suffering as a result of that sin, or the size of the amount of people that are separated from him, or even just his insight to the reality that they are not who they truly were called or created to be, but Jesus sees the sins of the crowd. Jesus sees the consequences of that which has taken place in people's lives. I think the biggest thing that moves the heart of God is not just our sin or even our suffering, not even just the multitudes of people who don't know him or even indeed the way we were truly created to be and how distorted our lives have become. What I think moves the heart of God is that he has been separated by sin from those he loves. God hates to be separated from those he created. Aren't you grateful for that? When we read in verse 36 that the people were harassed and helpless, he's describing the condition of them being lost. They had no shepherd, nowhere to go, no one to talk to, no one who would save them. And seeing things the way Jesus sees things, I think is the beginning of us being mobilized into what I believe is effective mission. How many of us here tonight want God to open the eyes of our heart? so that we can see this world the way he sees the world. See individuals the way he sees individuals. You know, I've only been here 15 months, but I've become a Londoner. No, I'm not going to sing the song, don't worry. What I mean by that is that I'm just so busy and preoccupied in my trying to get somewhere, I'm not always paying attention to who's around and about me. You know, but I feel that I need to really challenge myself on that because so often the Lord begins to move just in ordinary conversations. Just times where you're not really thinking about what's happening, but suddenly the Spirit of God begins to move and you start to see somebody, you start to be moved by the Spirit towards them. I believe that this is the way that God has used me many, many times in the past and I'm hoping that in my busyness and preoccupation, I don't get lost in the, 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 the huge amount of traffic that happens in London and fail to realize that there is traffic from heaven to earth. God is moving and touching and engaging me with people around me. But for that to happen, I need to understand that the people around me are separated from God. They do not know him. They do not know his love. That their sins have marred them and scarred them. That their suffering is continuously uh, something they're experiencing. That there's so many of them, but I need my eyes to be opened to see them the way he sees them. It says that he was moved with compassion. <clears throat> now, compassion is not sympathy. It's not a, a sense of sympathy for people. Actually, the word that's used here means that it's, it's very emotive. It mobilizes something. When we see people the way God sees people, something happens in us. A profound sense of heaven turns up in our hearts. And we start to feel what God feels for the people around us. We start to be moved by him towards them. We start to be mobilized by the Spirit. Compassion is profoundly essential to effective mission. I think if we're really honest, our hearts have been so deadened and dulled by the difficulties and the apathies of society that we are no longer compassionate. You know, when I first became a Christian, I was so moved by the compassion of God, I couldn't walk past somebody in the street begging. Now I don't even notice them. 
When the Spirit of God came into my life, I was so aware of how privileged I was. If I ever came in contact with somebody who had lack, I found myself giving generously to their situation. Now I don't even notice them. You see, I'm trying to be honest with you tonight. If we don't find in our hearts a willingness to allow God to move us with compassion, I'm not really sure that we'll be effectual in mission the way that God desires us to be. We need to carry his heart to people, not just some kind of, you know, protocol or, or process that we think we're bringing people to. People don't care what you know until they know that you care. People are not going to connect with us because we have a good message to preach. They're going to connect with us because we are a good message in person turning up before them. That we are good news to them. That we are involved in connecting them to the realities of Jesus Christ. I believe that one of the things I've been praying for for the last two months actually is an increase of compassion. I don't know how you feel about that. Not only do I want to see people the way God sees people, but I want to feel what God feels, to be moved as God would be moved when I connect with those people. Let me tell you some things I think compassion does. Compassion releases the kingdom of God. There's so many times I look back over my journey and I realized I was almost compelled by God to reach out to touch somebody else's life with tenderness or kindness or indeed just a connectedness in some way. Compassion draws me towards a kingdom moment where God can move in and through my life. The second thing that compassion does is this. It reveals the heart of God as a father. You know, when we're moved with compassion, we're emulating the reality of the nature and the character of God. God is a compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love and rich in mercy. You know, when I'm moved with compassion, I'm demonstrating that to a person who perhaps has alternative perspectives on who God is. I remember one time I was chatting with a young man and he'd been involved in all kinds of things. He actually worked as a, as a sex worker and he was raised in a very religious Christian home. And as we were chatting, he was talking to me about God. And you know, I must confess to you, I didn't recognize God from the things he was saying. I mean, the kind of God that he talked about was harsh and indifferent and legalistic. In fact, we laughed at one point. We called him the mighty smiter in the sky. You know, you would think that God was a cruel person the way this individual young man was talking about him. But you know, when you're moved with the heart of God the Father, people's defenses begin to melt. God loves people. And as we're moved by that love, we start to demonstrate that love to other people and reveal the true nature of who God is. Do you know God is kind and generous? God loves people. If, if I ever hear somebody reaching out to somebody with the gospel and it sounds harsh, I have to question, what do they actually know about God? Because it's love that compels, not duty or responsibility. The third thing I think that compassion does is it brings God's kindness and mercy right to the fore in someone's life. There's something about compassion that awakens people to the reality of God. They start to see that God actually is good. They start to see that God really does care. And compassion begins to cause kindness. Do you know that it's kindness that leads people to repentance? Not just truth, kindness. Kindness. God is kind. Of course they need truth, but kindness leads people to repentance. It's that unquantifiable, invisible reality of the nature and the passion and the person of God. God reveals himself in compassion. And compassion is at the heart of the gospel. Do you know in Matthew 28, we're called to go into all the world 
and to make disciples of all people. But actually the heartbeat of the gospel message there is not some project for us to keep us occupied until Jesus gets back. It's simply out of the love that we've experienced with God to be mobilized and energized and consistently pursuing the reality that other people can connect with him too. Compassion is at the heart of the gospel. It's the good news that God loves and cares about humanity. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He did not come into this world to be judgmental or indeed to, to smite people because they're in sin. He came to bring release and freedom to those who have been captivated by sin. Compassion is the heart of the gospel. And compassion brings the church into partnership with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to just talk a little bit about this, if I can, for a moment. You know, sometimes when I'm talking to somebody and the compassion of God begins to form in my life, I realize this is a kingdom moment, and I realize I'm getting an opportunity under the blessing of God to be able to connect somebody else to the Father I love, to the God that I delight in. But you know, there's always power present when compassion is evident. When compassion is moved, and it's a heavenly compassion, there's always power available to bring people into freedom. There's so many times whenever I've felt compelled with compassion to pray for somebody who was sick or indeed ill, and actually just about nearly every time, that's been the reality of my experience, God has brought physical healing as a result of moving my heart in compassion for that person. There's power available whenever we start to feel the compassion of God to other people. And why is compassion important? Because compassion releases captives and awakens destinies. Every time we're moved in compassion, we're moved according to the kingdom mandate to bring people into the reality of Christ. It moves in us, it moves through us, and it moves to others around us, impacting their lives in a way that some of our fancy words or some of our, our conversations don't always touch. Compassion is the heartbeat of true mission. It's the heartbeat of God himself. And without it, church, what we end up doing is we just go through the motions of something, or even worse, we try to manipulate people into the kingdom of God. We need the compassion of the Father. We need God's heart for people. We need the Spirit to move us. Amen. We need God to do something in us. And if my heart is dull in relationship to other people's need or, or lack or separation or sin and all of that that comes with what we've been talking about, seeing people the way God sees people, then I need a fresh move of the Spirit of God in my life to awaken my heart to the reality of the heart of God. I don't want to live compassionless. I want to live compassionately. I want God to move in me and move through me in glorious ways. I want to be effectual missionary as he's placed me amongst the people he's placed with me. It says here that they were a sheep without a shepherd. I believe what we're noticing here is that they have no leadership. You know, sometimes I think what happens with compassion, when we start to be moved by it, actually we start to be used by the Spirit to bring direction and leadership to people who perhaps would not submit to the leadership of, of uh, anyone really on the planet. And when you can touch a heart and God begins to move in that person's life, I often find that people are very open to the things you have to say. Maybe the advice we give them should come after the compelling moving of the Spirit through us to reach out to them. Sometimes I think we're quick to try and fix people's lives. And sometimes I think we need to just connect people with the heart of God. And I think they'll be open to anything we offer them in regard to how to move forward in their lives. Go with me please to Isaiah 61. 
for a second. Isaiah 61 verses 1 to 4, very familiar passage of the scriptures to us. I'm going to read it together and just conclude with a couple of thoughts around this whole dynamic of compassion bringing life to people. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me, verse 1, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness. A planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Look with me, please, at how the Spirit of God begins to move and models for us and demonstrates to us the heart of God for those who are separated and disconnected from Him. The first thing we notice in verses 1 to 2 is God moves among the poor. Church, can I just say this to you? And I say this as somebody who's serving alongside you. We as a people have a great privilege to reach into our community, to engage with people who, whose lives and, and, and difficulties have so destroyed hope and so destroyed peace in their life. If we are having great moves of God in the church, I pray they move through us to the poor around us. I pray that God would mobilize the church in all kinds of wonderful creative ways to bring life to broken people in difficult circumstances. If we only just enjoy the presence of God and it doesn't move us with compassion towards the poor, I'm not really sure why God would keep on doing what he keeps on doing. Perhaps it's just his generosity towards us at work. But actually, it looks like to me that when the Spirit of God began to move, it began to impact poor people. Now, the poor come in all shapes and sizes. They can live in posh mansions and be poverty-stricken spiritually. They can live in a cardboard box and be the wealthiest person in their heart. It's got nothing to do with an address and everything to do with a separate state from God. Do you know, so many people I've met have got so much in this world, but they have so little peace in their hearts. The poor come in all shapes and sizes. They come in all colors. They come in the full spectrum of humanity. Blessed are those who are poor because God wants to comfort them. And he uses and mobilizes his church to do so. And so I believe any move of the Spirit, any time God begins to move amongst us, should move us in such a way that we are compelled to move beyond what is comfortable for us, to live beyond ourselves and to offer those who are poor in spirit good news that Jesus cares about them. In verses 1 and 2, God moves amongst the poor. In verse 3, we see that the poor become stronger. So when we think about this, we realize that when God, with compassion, as we see people the way he sees them, and we move towards them, actually mobilizes something in people's lives. People start to wake up to the reality of who God is. And God is moving and has always moved amongst people whose hearts are poor. And in verse 3, we see that the poor become stronger. Is that just the work of the church or is that the work of the Spirit? Is that just us trying to help people in need? We don't need a ministry to the poor. We need a ministry with the poor. We need to partner with what God is doing amongst them. 
to walk with them through the journey and all that God wants to do in their lives. And it says in verse 3 that the poor became stronger. And look at verse 4. As they grew in strength, as they grew in stature, as the Spirit began to move in them, the poor begin to release other people who are poverty-stricken. God is at work in these environments, bringing life to people. And verse 4 tells us it's the poor that are the people who bring restoration. You see, compassion is not a gesture to the poor. It's a journey with the poor. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, there is no good news for the poor. We can only offer them charity. We're not opening up their destiny before them. Compassion moves the poor towards God's purposes. Who are the poor? Anyone who's separated from God. Who are the people that need to hear the good news of Jesus? Anyone who's living, marred and scarred and marked by the effects and the consequences of sin. Who are the people that God would call us to work with? Well, you'll have to seek his heart and know his will for that in your life. But actually for us as a community, we are surrounded by people in poverty. They may have millions in the bank, but they don't have Christ in their heart. It doesn't matter the address in heaven. God is no respecter of people.